Hello, family. This is Pastor Chad. We had a little surprise for you this Sunday. Uh, several months ago, we had planned on bringing in a dear friend of mine who pastors a church in Mississippi to be our special guest speaker, the Reverend Ian Kaiser. The hope was that this would be a rest for me and a blessing for you. Ian is a great uh, preacher of the gospel, and he was going to drop right into our Acts series, and everything looked like it was lining up just perfect. Then the pandemic hit, and much to my disappointment, we had to scrap all our plans. The hope is that one day I'll get to introduce him to you in person, but for now, through the magic of the internet... (laughs) Ian is going to preach for us today from Acts chapter 2. Would you please give your attention to my friend and brother in Christ, Ian Kaiser. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, if you want to follow along in your Bible. So uh, as as we get going, I I just want to uh, comment, mention, confess, whatever, that this is a little bit awkward for me. I'm sure Chad introduced me, but but my name is Ian Kaiser, and I'm a pastor in Mississippi. I I also happen to be friends with Chad, and I was supposed to meet you guys a few months ago. I I was going to preach at Crossway. I was going to hang out with Chad, and I was going to try to lure him into some shenanigans, and then and then the lockdown happened, and 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 I didn't get to meet you, and there were no shenanigans, and so you don't know me, and I don't know you, but here we are. It's awkward, and let's be honest. Honest, lots of things going on right now are awkward. So, so let's just lean into this a little bit. Let's lean into the awkwardness. And just, just to make things a little bit more awkward, I'm going to be preaching uh, the same series that Chad has been preaching through. And we're, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42, 47. Which, this, is, this is where Luke paints a picture of what the church might look like uh, during social distancing. <laughs> well, I wish it was about that, uh, because that would be easier to talk about in these days. It's uh, the, the passage is actually a portrait of community. It's about a church that meets every day. Like, they are close to each other. They are in each other's lives. It's something that we can't do yet in our days, but hopefully soon we'll be able to. And I hope that this sermon will make us all long for that day just a little bit more. And so, if you remember what's happened up to this point in chapter 2, that there has been an incredible miracle that has happened. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit has been given to the disciples. They're speaking in many different languages. People are trying to figure out why this is happening, and 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 some and 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 some 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 of the some of the disciples are being drunk. There, some some are saying like that's the cause of all of this. And and it's at this point when when the, when the disciples are accused of being drunk that that, that Peter preaches the gospel. He, he tells the, this group of people about Jesus. He, he preaches the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and also, also His ascension. He, he shows them that the biblical story from beginning to end is all about Jesus. And then He, he calls them to repentance. He, he tells them to receive forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. And, and, and something happens. The, 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 the people respond. And 3,000 people that day were saved. Well, this is where we're going to pick up the story, right there. And so, well, let's pray, and, and we'll begin. Heavenly Father, 
We, we thank you for your word to us. We, we thank you that, that we aren't left to figure out how to relate to you or what to do with our lives. You, you've spelled it out and you've made it very clear to us in your word. And so as we open up your word uh, today, we, we ask that you would give us ears that would listen. We, we ask that we would have hearts that would be open to you and feet that would long to walk in obedience to you. But most of all, we pray that we would see Jesus. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read the passage. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. This is God's word. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word for God's people. So, uh, recently, the, the TV show Friends, it is, they, they celebrated their, their 25th anniversary. And so what this means for a lot of people in our culture is that for 25 years, we've been following the lives of Ross, Rachel, Monica, Chandler, Phoebe, and Joey. We, we've been looking at their lives. And, and even though the, the show has been off the air now for 15 years, the, the show lives on. In fact, they're, they're talking about a reunion. And, and, and so if you pay attention to what anyone asked Jennifer Aniston and about in interviews, you'd think the series like premiered just a year ago. In fact, to March the 25th anniversary, Ralph Lauren uh, launched a whole line of replica clothes called The One Where They Wear Ralph Lauren. And, and remember, uh, Rachel worked at Ralph Lauren. Well, you can go to their website today and you can see the models hanging around at Central Park wearing their their friends' clothes. Well, whatever you make of the show, the show has stuck around. It's 25 years old and the show is still current and and many people have wondered why. And you have to ask, like, is it because it's funny? Is it the humor? Well, I I just want to say lots of shows have been funny. And I'd even say that there are other shows that are smarter in their humor, but they haven't stuck around this long. Is it the Ross and Rachel romance plotline, or or maybe it's the Monica Chandler romance? Well, lots of shows have romance, and they don't stick around like this one. The, the show wasn't as socially aware as other shows. It, it didn't tackle big problems with society or, or say anything meaningful like, like MASH or All in the Family. And so you have to ask yourself, like, what is it? Why, why has this show stuck around? And I think that the stickiness of the show is actually found in the name of the show, Friends. And so if you watch a show, it was a show about friends. They, they were with each other doing nothing, but then they were with each other through marriage and then divorce. They, they were with each other in career moves and breakups, and they were with each other in the coffee shop and in their homes and in Paris and at the beach. They were with one another. And if you look at the show, you can see that they had this particular thing going on. They had refrigerator rights. They would walk into one another's homes, they would open up the fridge, and they would get whatever they wanted, especially Joey. He would do that the most. And refrigerator rights, this is something that a lot of us don't have. 
We, we don't have another place to go, someone else's houses where we can walk into their house and check out the refrigerator and see what we want and take what we want. And, and this simple thing, like friendships that are close enough that you have access to one another's fridge is a sign that you might have access to their hearts. That this is what we see in the show Friends. And, and this is why I think this show has stuck around. It, it kind of speaks to a heart longing that, that all of us have. And what we see in our text this, today is, is, is a picture of biblical community that, that actually solves this longing for community and friendship and, and maybe even refrigerator rights that, that all of us carry with you. Well, uh, I, I don't know your church. I've, I've never been to your church. I, I know Chad and Vanessa. Well, I, I look at your church's website, and, and it says that that Crossway is a church that develops disciples of Jesus who have truly encountered the gospel, been changed by God's grace, and are living for His glory. And well, I, I, want, I, want to, I want us to consider that the, the way you live in community as a church will, will actually affect your ability to fulfill this mission, the, the mission that I just said. You see, without spiritual friendship, without community, people at best can only audit Christianity, but, but they can't really participate. And when we look at the scriptures, we see that God has called believers to love Him, to love one another, to love their neighbors. And only when this happens do we experience the life Christ promised at the deepest level possible. It happens in community. And this kind of community, this kind of spiritual friendship actually transforms uh, people. And it makes, it makes God known in their neighborhoods. It gives churches a, a, a position in the community. It enables the church to have a faithful presence. Larry Crabb, he, he put it this way. He, he said the future of the church depends on whether it develops true community. We can get by for a while on size, skilled communication, and programs to meet every need, but unless we sense that we belong to each other, the vibrant church of today will become the powerless church of tomorrow. Stale, irrelevant, a place of pretense where sufferers suffer alone, where pressure generates conformity rather than a spirit-creating life. And that's where the church is headed unless it focuses on community on spiritual friendship. You, you see, we, we all long for friendship because this is how God made us. It's hardwired into our being so much that, that it leaks out and shows like friends. And when the church lives up to the community that, that God called us to, what, what happens is that God, God's people are edified, Christ is glorified, and the world takes note. And we see all of that in our text this morning. And so uh, t- today we're, we're going to see three things. We're going to see a call, the call to community. We're going to see the practice of community, and we're going to see the mission of community. And so let, let's look at our first point, the, the call to community. So re- remember, the, the, the context, remember the context of where this, this text is. Peter has just preached a sermon. He has called people to receive Christ, and 3,000 people have turned to Christ. And so, look, look, look at verse 41. It says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And so, the, the, it's these people that, that we see in our text here. These are the people that we're going to be talking about. It's the 3,000 people that have converted to Christ. And so, what did they do? Well, we, we see this in verse 42. 
It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then we we see them sharing their belongings and having everything in common. We see that in verses 44 and 45. And then when we get to verse 46, it says they are meeting together every day. It says day by day. And so this is so different from what we might find today. This was communal. They didn't convert to Christ and then run home and get on the internet and try to figure it out all by themselves. They didn't go to Google and try to figure out, like, what are they supposed to do next? They didn't run to YouTube and look at the how-to video of how they're supposed to follow Christ. No. What we see in the text is that they instinctively knew that following Christ is a call to community. You see, when you are saved, you are saved from your sin, but you are also brought into a family. This is why Chad always says, good morning, family. We follow Christ as a people. Christianity is communal. And this sort of communal life, it actually pushes against a cultural value that we have in Western society. You see, in our culture, everyone wants to be noticed and everybody wants to feel special. We take selfies and we have selfie sticks and we use others to promote yourself. And we get on Facebook and we promote ourselves, and we get on Twitter and try to get the most followers. And pastors can even learn how to have a personal brand where they can have a following and build their name up. You can get trained on how to do that. You can even hire a group of people to build your brand, if you're a pastor, or if you're a businessman. You see, God wired us for community, but we live our lives for ourselves. And the ideology behind this is called individualism. And this goes way beyond the issue of human dignity, the rights of the individual, or even the celebration of human uniqueness and diversity. You see, individualism is a way of life that makes the individual supreme over everything. And most Americans, they see individualism as a positive. They see it as a good thing. They see it as something that promotes free will, free markets, good self-esteem, and free choices. We glorify the self-made man. We love the Lone Ranger and the Marlboro Man and as they ride off into the sunset alone trying to make themselves a hero. They're going to save the day. But the truth is, is that individualism will destroy your life. It will leave you feeling empty and ultimately it will leave you lonely. And if we aren't careful, that we project the values of the world into the life we should be living as a church. As John Locke said in his book, The the De-Voicing of Society, he said too many churches provide occasions for individuals to focus on on themselves in the presence of others. Did you hear that? He says too many churches provide occasions for individuals to focus on themselves in the presence of others. So, so how do we solve this problem? What, what, are we, what are we supposed to do? Well, the solution is actually very simple. As the people of God, as Christ's church, we must have a common purpose that is fulfilled around common practices. And, and this actually brings us to our next point, the, the practice of community. I want you to look at what this early church was doing together and, and what they devoted themselves to. Look at verse 42 again. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And so, to just think about this. 
They had just experienced a miracle. There was speaking in tongues and flames and wind from heaven. You'd think that they would want to devote themselves to chasing after that experience again. But, but that isn't what happened. Even though they had just experienced something that was extraordinary, what they did is they gave themselves to what was ordinary. The, 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 now, the text does say in the next verse that there, were, there was awe and there were many signs and wonders that were done through the apostles, but, but they weren't devoted to those things. The text says that, they were de- that it says that they weren't devoted to the signs and wonders. They were devoted to what was ordinary. They, they were devoted to God's Word. And, and I would suggest that this is always the first mark of a Spirit-filled church. A church that is filled with the Holy Spirit will always study the apostolic teaching, which, which, which is the Bible. And so th- this is why our church spends so much time and so many resources studying the Bible. And this is why your church, Crossway, is devoted to biblical teaching and preaching. This is why we read the Bible together when when we gather for worship. This is why we have our Bibles open when we gather in small groups. This is why Chad preaches from the Bible on Sunday mornings instead of talking about some felt needs or giving you his opinions on what is going on in the world or why he loves the Cardinals more than the Mariners. Mortimer Adler, in his classic book, How How to Read a Book, has observed that the one time people read for all they are worth is when they are in love when they are in love and are reading a love letter, or today it would probably be like a a love text from somebody. He he, he says that when when people are in love, they read every word in three ways. They they read between the lines and in the margins. They they read the whole in tear in in they 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 read the the whole in tears or of the parts. And, and each part in terms of the whole. They, they read the whole in terms of the parts and each, in, each part in terms of the whole. They, they, they soak it in and analyze what's been written. They, they are sensitive to context and ambiguity and insinuation and implication. They, they can see the color of words. They notice the order of words. They, they can feel the weight of sentences. And, and when they've taken it all in, because they are in love, they read it all over again. And this is actually how we should approach the Bible. This is, this is what devotion looks like. This is how uh, people that are filled with the Holy Spirit behave towards God's Word. And this is what we see the early church doing. This is what is meant when we see that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And so if, if you are someone that just can't get interested in, in reading God's Word... If you think the Bible is boring, or you think the, the Bible is irrelevant, or that's not for you, or it's just outdated, or you just can't be bothered by it, this is what I want you to do. I want you to read the Bible each day. Just start in the book of John, read one chapter each day. And after a few weeks of, of doing this regularly, if you still can't find that God's Word isn't helping you, or, or that it's not relevant, or that if you were bored... I want you to talk to somebody about it. Give, give Chad a call and, and let's figure this out. It, it's important. It's that important. But, but they were also doing some other things in the early church. Go, go back to verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
So, so there was fellowship. This is, this is the spiritual friendship that we were talking about uh, earlier. There, there was breaking of bread. This is referring to the Lord's table, taking communion. They would take communion together and they would pray together. These are all practices that we should be engaged in as a church. Like when we gather, we want teaching. There should be fellowship. There should be uh, the Lord's Supper. We should be praying together. And here's what I want you to encourage you to... Here's where I want to encourage you to show up for worship regularly when you are able to resume worship. I I want you to see that if you just show up for worship, you will regularly get to practice these things. There will be Bible study. There will be prayer. There will be communion. There will be fellowship. And and the other thing is that that we know that love for Christ, actually, it doesn't increase if we don't show up for worship. There's a correlation there. We also know that missing worship regularly can become a habit. And, and, and we also know that all of us, we, we are prone to wander. We, we sleep in once on a Sunday morning. We like that. And so we, we do it again. And so I would encourage you, show up for worship and do so regularly. Make it a habit. But, but there's something else that I want you to see. Look, look at look verse 46. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts. I, I want you to notice where they are gathering at the temple and in their homes. And this actually becomes a theme through the book of Acts, and, and you'll see it as you walk through the book of Acts. But, but here, is, here is what we see. The believers, they met as a large group and also as a small group. They met formally and then they met informally. The whole church gathered as a whole church. They assembled as a congregation. We see that because it says they met at the temple. But then they also met scattered. They met in their homes. Large group meetings and small group meetings, it was a part of their rhythm. Howard Snyder, he put it this way, he says, There was always a harmonious small group, large group rhythm. The small group providing the intense community life that gave depth to the large group gatherings. And so homes were a vital part of the life of the church. Small group meetings were the lifeblood for fellowship. And once the veil is lifted, what we see is that there are many implications for this. The, the nature of the church is to function as a large group. This is what, this is what uh, we normally do on Sunday mornings. It's corporate worship. But, but then the church also met as a scattered community in small groups. And so what we see in small groups is that everybody is able to participate. Everyone gets to use their gifts. Everyone is able to share. We're, 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 this is where sin is confessed to one another. This is where burdens are lifted. This is where sin is confronted. It's in the small groups where, where church discipline can happen. It's an informal way from someone you know loves you. They approach you in a loving way to express concern and worry, and you don't get defensive because you know that person. You you know them. You know they love you. You know that they want your life to flourish. And so you listen. So here's what I'm trying to say. If you are involved in a small group community, whether that means a women's study, a men's group, a small group that meets in homes. My church has all these things. We also have Sunday school before church on Sunday. I would say that if you only show up for worship as necessary as it is, then you are missing out on an important aspect of life in Christ's body. 
And so that, that's two aspects of communal life together that, that we need to regularly participate in. We, we, we need to show up for worship, corporate worship with the, with the whole body of Christ, and we need to be involved in a smaller group for fellowship. And when the church is functioning in this way, when our corporate worship is vibrant and our small group fellowship is sweet, there's, there is something that happens. That the Lord just tends to use that kind of church. And we see that in our text. We, we see it in verse 47. Look, it says, look what it says. It says, Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so here's where we see the third point, the, the mission of community. Now, I, I want you to notice that this verse doesn't say that this group was out witnessing, but, but we know that the, the way God reaches people is by the spoken word. So they must have been telling others about Jesus. But, but there's something here that, that I want us to see. It says that they had favor with the people. And so why, why do you think they had favor? I think it's because their quality of life as a community actually earned that favor. That they were sharing their lives. They were encouraging one another. They were taking care of one another. Their, their lives together became, their lives together gave them favor and, and the Lord used it. They just got on with the normal stuff that God had called them to and the Lord used that. It says the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. In, in Luke chapter 5, that there's, there's recorded an unbelievable fishing story. If it wasn't in the Bible, you, you would think that it was a typical tale told by exaggerating fishermen. Though the disciples, they, they, they had been fishing all night, they had caught nothing, but at Jesus' command, they, they cast their nets out once again. And in verses 6 and 7 of, of Luke chapter 5, it says this. It says, it says, And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Sounds unbelievable, right? They they'd made a big catch. And then later, this is, this is where Jesus says that they, they'll be fishers of men. We, we see that in verse 10. Look what happens. It says, And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. So, the word here in verse 10 is the translation of the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia is most commonly translated as fellowship. Well, here's my point. Koinonia, fellowship, community. That took place as the disciples together hauled in a huge catch of fish. And what we see in Scripture is that evangelism and outreach happens most effectively when we partner with other believers to be fishers of men. Evangelism, it's a, it's a team effort. When, when small groups and congregations work together in a common cause, this can be a very effective witness in the world. That There's an incredible synergy created when a group works together to reach out to their friends. It's like a, a basketball team. When, when everyone brings their skills and talents to the team and the, the, the team is strengthened, and in the process, the, the team bonds together and develops some enduring friendships. Well, as a church, when we work together to win our friends to Christ, 
There is a joy that cannot be known uh, when evangelism is simply an individual effort. And, and remember, well, remember where, where all of this is happening. This is in Jerusalem. Many of these people in this church had, had only months before been crying out to crucify Christ, but now they are worshiping Him. They, they knew their need for Jesus, and so as a people, they were gathered together around their common need for Jesus. This is, this is where they started, and this is where their ministry to one another and to the world around them continued. They always needed Jesus, and they knew others needed Jesus. And it's the same today. Our, our ministry here uh, to, to one another here in Mississippi and your ministry to one another at, at Crossway and our ministry to the world together, it, it's all because we need Jesus. We, we read His Word because we need Jesus. We, we come to worship because we need Jesus. We, we meet in groups because we need Jesus. And when we come to church and step out into the world as people who need Jesus, well, this is the kind of church that God can use. And may God use Crossway. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we look at this young church and, and it's an encouragement and it's also a rebuke. We, we are encouraged because they, they kept it simple and this kind of life together as a church looks possible for us. We feel rebuked because we've not kept it simple. Lord, help us be devoted to the things that matter. Help us treasure your word, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Use our church, use Crossway to bring many people to yourself so that we might be able to say that you've added to our numbers daily. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.